0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked on Seminoles. I'm your host, Max. That is Dave. And we have a phenomenal episode for y'all tonight. First thing we're going to do is update our power rankings now that spring practice and the spring game have officially been completed. Then we're going to see, not see, we know, but we're going to give you our opinion on what FSU's main transfer portal needs are we know there's a big offensive tackle out there. We talked about it yesterday. Don't worry. We're going to keep you updated on him as well. But it needs an addition to that. And finally, we're going to give our opinions on the coaching staff and what we think their standing is after spring practices ended. We don't have Drake today. So, Max, roll that video and let's get started.
1: You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
0: All right, folks. Again, we are going to dive straight into it because we have a lot of opinions and a lot of content. Necessary housekeeping. Please like the video. Make sure you subscribe. We are on the push to a thousand, and I'm confident we are going to get there with your help, your help, and your help. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for supporting the channel. It means the world to us, and we love doing what we do. And this is probably my favorite thing to do in the off season. It's the power rankings because the the rules are made up and the points don't matter. But in a way. I love that. Dave, before we get into power rankings, I need to know your criteria. When you do your power rankings, are they highly dynamic? Meaning like it's literally prisoner of the moment, not in a bad way. Just like that's how you like to do it. Of who's the best in your mind right now. Do you take into account full body of work or do you look at potential future production?
1: Um, I'm not doing prisoner of the moment. I learned I learned some stuff from that spring game, but not enough that like anything was drastically changed for me. So what I already thought probably has a lot more to do with what my rankings are than like what I think could happen, because what I think could happen was what I thought. And that what I think could happen wasn't all that crazy change from what I saw during three fake quarters of fake football.
0: Three fake quarters of fake football. All right, man. Well, let's dive into it. Wide receivers. I'm actually going to keep track of these so that way in like eight, weeks or whatever we know where we started and where we're finishing um yep we usually go back to front but let's just go front to back who's your number one who Who do you think is the, the number one not not playing the number one position but the the top yeah. rated dave power rankings receiver at florida state university right now
1: you know it's probably not a popular pick and nothing i saw in the spring game supports my answer to this but I still expect Malik McLean to be the best receiver on this team at the end of the 2022 season. I think you've talked in particular a lot about how important it is to have that big X receiver because we seem to have a lot of these smaller guys. And like you saw that at Florida, of like you said, when they had Pitts, Pitts was the only thing they had that was big at the receiver position. You can't get away in this game with just a bunch of small receivers. Jimbo, place such a huge emphasis on that. Malik McLean physically fits the bill. Um, I think he can have one of those odd and Tate years where he kind of comes out of like decent expectations, but nobody expected him to, I don't think to grow into a receiver that would necessarily be picked early in the draft and like have this outstanding year at FSU. And he did. I think Malik McLean is very capable of that. He's he's physical as hell. He's just got to run the route to make the catches. I know that's what every receiver has to do, but if he really does those two things that every receiver should be able to do, he has the body to blossom into somebody who could have a productive season.
0: No, I know what you're saying. It's it's one of those things where you, you can't teach certain things and being six foot four, six foot five is one of those things you can't teach anyone to do. So yeah, everyone's got to run the routes and catch the balls, but he has a potential to run those routes better due to his size. And again, like I said yesterday, it's not just we need a big receiver because you need a big receiver. We have so much talent at the two and the three that if we can just get someone to be that like vertical big man threat that may, and the reason that's so important, folks, it, it, maybe we should elaborate on this. Cornerbacks typically in college are going to cover best on best. If you have a team like a Clemson or an Ohio state or, you know, an Alabama, that's really, really good. They will not necessarily okay. follow that pattern, right? Because they can have, they can say, Hey, this guy's better at the boundary. This guy's better at the field side and this guy's better at press. So no matter what receiver he's going to be on, we're just going to have him run what he's best at. Cause they've got three other five stars out there helping him out and got right. over the top. When you don't have that luxury, you are typically going to have your best corner trying, depending on scheme, but for the most part, trying to mirror the best receiver. And again, there's some, some changes to that, but let's just use Florida State when we were good as an example. Jalen Ramsey was a six foot one cornerback. You don't see a lot of that. Yeah. So you need a guy that makes Jalen have to cover him. That way you can keep Jalen off of your other receivers. Because you don't want the number one corner, a six foot, six foot one, six foot two guy like a Jalen on your five foot nine Keyshawn Helton or I'm um, sorry, I'm already blanking on his name because he wasn't no, the young man that, that got in the car wreck from West Virginia. Winston I, Wright. Winston Wright. I apologize. Um, but those guys, because when you get a body like Jalen on them that can cover the way he can cover, you're not, those guys are not going to have success. So you need a threat that pulls that guy off of them. Yeah. and lets them go against a guy who's more similarly sized, possibly less gifted, is the number two or three cornerback for a reason. But when you don't have that, you're going to see a lot of what you saw last season. Now, I am opposite of you, Dave. My power rankings are highly dynamic. And to me, it's almost like, you know, who who who's the best right now, I think, in that room, knowing it can change every week. It's not the AP top 25. You don't like To me, for my rankings, you don't keep your number one until proven. Otherwise, it's just like, who do I think is playing the best right now? And for me, that is Oregon transfer Micah Pittman. Um, I don't know if he'll be the best even when the season starts or if he'll be the best throughout the season. But I love the way he finishes plays. I love the grittiness uh, to steal from, you know, an overused sports cliche here. Um, But you just really saw a guy you know i mean let me just leave it at this he came back into the spring game after being injured and then ended up scoring a touchdown on a shoulder down run through someone kind of play you don't see that very often dave who's your number two and by the way i think to leave the people hanging we should only go out to three because there's so many of them i just i love the arguments in the comments based on who we leave out so let's really cap ourselves here like
1: yeah that makes sense i i can save some time here um Micah Pittman is my number three. So uh, everything that you just said, I totally agree with. Um, It doesn't make sense for me to repeat that. In addition to, I mean, I don't know if we're like adding, but his punt returner skills add to his value. But if we're talking just receiver, what I saw in the spring game was what I hoped a former blue chip prospect who I think was misused at Oregon uh, could be, uh, which was somebody who could, get open a lot or get in a position to have the ball thrown to him a lot and actually catch the ball when it's thrown to him. Um, small sample size, but I wasn't as down on Michael Pittman as it seemed to me a lot of people were. Like the sentiment in the fan base seemed to be that, like, he was an afterthought at the receiver position. He was just this punt returner. Um, but everything you said I thought was right. Who's my number two? This is, like, kind of counterintuitive to to – if you've listened to a lot of what I've said, um, I have talked a lot of crap about Ontario Wilson. And I, I don't like that. He's my number two receiver on this team, but when he was healthy last year, he was getting open and he was actually kind of a threat. Like you look at his PFF grades and it supports my notion that he isn't the best receiver in the world. There's four years in a row at FSU that he hasn't finished with a 62 grade on offense, but last year as the year went on, it felt like he was the, at times he was the only competent trustworthy receiver. Like there's plenty of names here who are probably more talented than he is. Like Johnny Wilson, just as a speculative pick makes a lot of sense just because of his size. Or like if Winston Wright was healthy, he would probably be here just based on what he did at West Virginia. Um, But there's not a lot outside of these three that we've talked about that we know what to expect from, including Portier, who we've seen things here and there from Andrea Wilson's been here a while. He knows the system. That's not always, that doesn't always equate to being good, but I, what I saw late in the year, I trusted. So he's my number two.
0: Yeah. And look, he was your number one touchdown pass catcher last year I mean he only had five then that was the receiver room you had last year hence why they had to bring in a bunch of transfers but to your point about Pittman I I don't think it's ridiculous here's what I think happened right I think a lot of the fan base saw a even better shiny new toy come in right like a better version of him in uh, Winston Wright Jr. and then it was ripped away from us so I think that there's like I think maybe that's why he seemed to be a bit of an afterthought, but I I do think that people haven't been too crazy low on him. And and I think that he earned the right to be, um, to to be talked about this, this week. He had a great game. I'm going to give you my two and three real quick. Then Um, number two, I've, I've got Keyshawn Helton still there and I'm giving Tate a little, I'm giving him, more leeway here but i don't know if they televised it i really liked the touchdown catch i saw from him that Tate got that got blown dead did they show that one where he was like sacked tate was but he threw it and uh Keyshawn caught it on the goal line fought his way into the end zone it was a good contested catch yeah. um going back to Keyshawn's body of work uh his stats were like him and him and wilson had similar stats last year wilson no touchdowns but Keyshawn was also coming off a big injury. So, like, I think Ontario was closer to his ceiling than Keyshawn was, if that makes sense. But I could be totally wrong there. He's just my number two still because I liked what I saw in the spring game. He was also out there catching yep. punts. Um, and he didn't drop any. So they didn't, I, I guess. Okay, good job. Um, and then number three for me. Um, I always leave this guy out, so I'm gonna put him in. And again, remember, folks, we're only doing three. Yell at us in the comments below. Well, yep. there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of folks to talk about in this wide receiver room but my number three is Ja'Kai Douglas because what's not to like? I mean, I like him. I think he plays hard. He's a stocky kid. He's got big play potential, very similar to a Micah Pittman, but I think you have to have a guy like him. And if one of them lets you down, you kind of have the other one. So right now they're my top three, Micah Pittman, Keyshawn Helton, and Ja'Kai Douglas. Your top three being Malik McLean, Ontario Wilson, and Micah Pittman. That is our four- 12, 22, top three wide receiver power rankings. And folks, whether you agree or disagree with those power rankings, there's one thing that should be in the top of your power rankings, no matter what. And that's Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is delicious. It's nutritious. And now they're not just protein bars that taste like candy bars. They have Bilt Bar Puffs. These are literally chocolate-covered marshmallows. They are amazing. They are, I mean, it's like eating a peep. So we order them for Easter. Go to Bilt.com use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order when you order now. I don't know why they keep giving people 15% off, but they do. Again, they are worth full price and more, but go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order of delicious, nutritious built Bars or built Puffs. Totally up to you. All right, man. So let's talk transfer needs. We power rank the wide receivers. We mm. told the folks to subscribe on YouTube. If you're still rocking and rolling with us, don't let, don't, don't stop yourself. Just click the subscribe button. We love you. We appreciate you. We do it for you. Transfer needs, Dave. We have a big offensive tackle in the portal. We're hearing all kinds of crazy stuff about him. You know, Rising Spears, yep. putting together a package. Folks, if you want to donate, you can do it there. Uh, or you, I mean, you know, if you have an LLC, I don't know, call them and pitch them your idea, literally anything like, yeah, I mean, we're talking like what Michael Jordan is willing to gamble on a golf course, just find whatever's laying around and just throw it at him. Cause boy, we need that one. But other than a five-star offensive tackle named Amarius Mims from outside of Warner Robins, Georgia, I think Calhoun or something right from Calhoun. Um, what do we need, Dave?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's an easy position to say offensive line. Obviously, with the Marius mins out there, it's sexy, and there's a lot of good reason. It's it's funny because, like, we need players. He happens to be in probably one of the best tackles that was available in the entire transfer class. The dude was a great run blocker, which is something we desperately lacked last year. So that may just makes so much sense, plus is a five-star. But that's still not the biggest position of need to me and it ties hand in hand with the biggest position of need which is backup quarterback because in part due to this offensive line and in part due to the way he plays we've talked about this so much jordan travis will miss plays in the 2022 season that's not me wishing it's going to happen that's not me me being negative that's me just looking at what's happened every season i mean you have eyes he plays hard he puts his so he puts his body on the line every time he runs that ball. And when he passes two, he stands back there. Jordan Travis yeah. will get injured.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, look, dude, I work in finance. Like, you don't have to explain. It. I mean, like, that's what you do in finance, right? You apply, You apply adjustments to things. You apply adjustments for anything that you can historically prove is going to happen when you're modeling out a business case. And if I'm modeling out a business case for Florida State University's quarterback room, I'm going to apply an injury time adjustment to Jordan Travis's stats. I'm with you. I don't want it to happen, we'll g- but it happens. Like he's been hurt. It, look, if it doesn't happen, I will happily eat my words with a fork and, fork right. and spoon. Same. Like I would love him not to get hurt, but it just, unfortunately it happens every single year. So we're, we're he's, aligned on that.
1: He's not just going to miss time. He'll probably miss a game or two, uh, but he'll miss time during games. And when he's out last year, uh, we looked hopeless. Um, it looked like it was like uh not the opposite of victory formation. We had just resigned to let's yeah, not get anybody victory hurt. Formation. <laughs> right? It's like let's just not get is, anybody hurt. Sure. It's like you that, know, that's it, that's the just...
0: offense we were running in 2012 against NC State. It was it was that le- it was that offense, right? That like yeah. just hang on to a 16-point lead, don't blow it.
1: <laughs> Look, if you watch that spring game and you feel good about Tate Rodemaker um being the backup. I'm going to use an expression you hear a lot in the South, which is bless your heart uh, because I, yeah, that's, that's a no for me, dog. He uh, looks a
0: lot better. But again, I, I said you. this I on said the this live show last year. Well, I said this on the live show. It's, I mean, he couldn't have looked worse. Like. Yeah. Can't it look is- worse. And, and, and I will say though, I did think in the spring game, um, so I told you I I we, we when the game pregame I went down so I could kind of be closer to the field and see what was going on then went back up to the seats but AJ Duffy is a lot more physically developed than I would have expected a kid of same like I'm trying to say this delicately because it sounds weird to say but he just doesn't look like an 18 year old kid
1: like he he's thicker he's like a Sam Howell
0: yeah if mentally he's there I. I'm not saying you play him just to play him, but I'm not that worried about him going in anymore. Cause when he's standing on the field, he doesn't noticeably look like a smaller kid. And honestly, James yeah. Blackman didn't die as a true freshman. So you know what, if he gets hurt um, maybe Duffy can push for it, but I, we need to see what fall camp looks like for that. For me, the biggest area of transfer need is I think like, I, I'm with you. I like Malik McLean. I think he has a lot of potential, but if there is a true number one receiver out there, like that you can get on this roster, I think you go for wide receiver, or I think you go for a pass catching tight end. I don't think you take a best available approach at receiver, which I'm not saying other folks are saying we should, but it also feels like people are saying that. And, you know, one thing we hear our good, good friend, Bud Elliott on the Nullcast talk about when he evaluates, um, you know, when he looks at teams receiver cores, is when you have a lack of diversity of body types and, you know, that there's moments when you listen to other, I don't know about for you, but, you know, when you listen to like podcasts about the topic we cover and football in general or, you know, Florida State, whatever, and there's moments you disagree, but then there's like nose tap moments where you're like, yep, nope, 100%, that's right. And that to me is, is one of the things that really delineates a good wide receiver core. From a great one, a good wide receiver core has a lot of really good receivers. A great wide receiver core has a good receiver with every possible body type that you need in the wide receiver room. Yeah. And I think Johnny Wilson or Malik could be it. Kentron, maybe, but if we could eliminate the question mark with a true six, three to six foot five big bodied receiver. I would really like to just eliminate that question mark and not have it lingering out there. So to me, that's your number one transfer need. And number yeah. two, look, this unit looked a lot better. I think Tatum Bethune is going to be the real deal. But I really would like to have another linebacker. I, I know there's a lot of places you could use the scholarships and all that. I, yeah. You know, there's definitely argument for positions over linebacker, but I, I would feel a lot better about this team if you had one more. Again, I'm not saying I want Tatum Bethune to get hurt, but he did already show that he can get hurt. So he's mortal. Doesn't mean he gets hurt all the time, but it just means if he's the sole reason we're feeling more confident in the linebacking core. Okay. So what happens if he's hurt? And now we're seeing up at Georgia with these five stars. More kids are going to start getting into the portal. Spring practices are wrapping up. Kids are seeing where they stand on the death chart. Some kids are maybe getting their degrees and able to go into grad school and be a grad transfer, that kind of stuff. So I, I don't think we're done with portal action quite yet, but those are yep. our biggest positions of need. And folks, if you have a position of need within your car, something that you need to address, well, don't go to the transfer portal. Go to the real online portal for all of your car's needs at rockauto.com. RockAuto has been a longtime sponsor of the show. They have sponsored us since day one. It's them and Bilt Bar. Y'all are getting the OGs today. And I have used Rock Auto several times in my old Jeep that original listeners probably heard more about than they cared to. Uh, these days, I, I really don't have a ton of car trouble, humble brag. But if I do, I will call up rockauto.com. They have an amazing selection. They have Amazon level prices, but family business level service. You know exactly how to find what you need. It's not confusing. They say, what's the make of your car? What's the model? What's the year? Where is the part located? Like front of car, back of car, and they walk you through it step by step, like you're right there at the counter with them. I love rock auto. And if you use it, you will too. Go to rockauto.com and in their how did you hear about us section? Tell them locked on sent you. All right, buddy. It is our favorite time of the week. And I almost think we should do this weekly, like a based on sometimes it'll be a lot of information, sometimes it'll be based on very little updates, but like. What is our just general opinion of the coaching staff at the moment? Do you mind if I, if I go first since.
1: Yeah, please. I'd rather finish it off. Actually. That's
0: what I was thinking. Um, So I said this yesterday, I think in the show that you were not on. And I'm going to give Ron Dugans a break because I actually think the look, he's still, in my opinion, is a bad recruiter. I mean, gosh, I'm not giving him any credit for the transfer portal. He hasn't brought in a high school blue chipper, but we did get a commitment for 2023 or 24. That was a four or five to whatever, a good receiver. I don't, and I'm saying it flippantly like that folks, because this is not a show where I'm, where we acknowledge 2023 and 2024 commits because we've been burned, not doing it again. He gets a break. The tight end room though. I mean, I look, I would be terrified to, Go talk to our tight ends coach and tell him that his room's not up to par. But someone's got to have that conversation. I mean, that unit looked bad. Jackson West hasn't developed. Cam McDonald hasn't really. Yeah. Cam McDonald to me is the same guy he was three years ago. He's not bad. That's right. But where you yep. look, where he was, it's like if he had developed at the rate of some of the players on this roster in other positions, like look at where Fabian Lovett was when he came in. Fabian Lovett was not bad, but he was, uh, hey, let's roll the dice on this transfer. See what happens. We've heard maybe he's got, maybe he could be good. Look how he developed. Look how Dennis Briggs has developed, right? You look at some of these guys at defensive end that are starting to step up and you're like, all right, those two positions coached by two different coaches have developed. Even the linebackers for all the grief I give them, some of them have become better football players, but like our tight ends just look like the same dudes. And I said a few weeks ago. Well, you know, I feel like Preston Daniel has developed and Wyatt Rector, and maybe that means it's a Cam McDonald thing. But then I saw Jackson West and one is happenstance two is our data points. And now I've got two tight ends I've seen not develop. And frankly, like it has Wyatt Rector developed or were the expectations just so low that he looks, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, OK, he's fine compared to what we expected. So John Papuchas is sorry. He's our DN coach. So Chris Thompson. So Chris Thompson is my current coach that I have beef with, and I'm sure it'll change on a week-to-week basis. Mike Norvell, right now, I don't really. I mean, I have beef beef with him for hiring Tony Tokars, too. By the way, I refuse Same. to acknowledge is actually a position I do too. until he proves he's otherwise. Um, yep. to me, he's just a grad assistant that they wrote a bigger check to this year. But yep. you have a athletic department that is committed. To winning games, you have Michael Alford, who has said that and more. You had a check to go get some assistant coaches, and you promoted Tony Tokars, who who maybe is great, maybe he's great. But
1: well, there's I mean, no proof that he is,
0: and you should have gone and maybe. found someone right exactly. So, my beef with Norbell is didn't go get a real QB coach, in my opinion. Hope I eat my words on that. But if not, sorry, I won't take any pride in being right, it's just how I feel at the moment. Uh, and I think the format of the spring game was stupid. I think you had a real opportunity. The first real spring game with NIL being like starting to be organized with Rising Spear and Warpath 850 and all these collectives are really coming together for the first time. And like, this is a time where you now have to get people to write two checks. You have 30,000 people. I know I've done this rant two days in a row, guys. I apologize, but you have 30,000 people. Do you know how hard it is to? That is. Dude, that is a fifth of the population of Tallahassee, Florida. That means those were not all people from Tallahassee, Florida. Show up to go to this game, give up their weekend if they're traveling. Because to me, I had to drive down Friday and I had to drive back Sunday. So I drove a collective like 11 or 12 hours because of traffic in two days. And you and you don't even, like it just, I feel like if I'm playing paying top dollar, I want a little production value. You know what I mean? And I didn't get that.
1: Yep. Oh man, anyway, so
0: that's Max. my gripe with Mike Norvell, but nothing on the field with him at the moment. How are you feeling about the coaching staff, Dave?
1: I'm glad. I'm glad you did the some positive stuff in there. Look, you get three. Our, Be nice. Our, our, I'm just kidding. I know. Just kidding. Of, Go for our, it. Our, 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 our <laughs> defensive line. I'm
0: confident. You don't know what that word means,
1: <laughs> right? Our defensive line. I I feel good about. Like I feel like that position. The coaches. I just expect to have them in good shape, vented and develop because that's what they've done. Um. Yeah, man. The rest of the team, I'll, I'll say this. Coach Atkins, I expect to maximize what he can get out of the offensive line. Yeah, I feel um, good
0: about him too. I should have mentioned
1: that. I, I But I do wonder if he was promoted to offensive coordinator to keep him here so that he didn't leave to go somewhere else. Not actually because sure. he's going to be coordinating this offense. So the problem with that is, when you're in charge of a whole operation, and this isn't always a problem, some coaches successfully do this. But you can't or don't delegate things. You, there's just not enough time in the day uh, to be good at everything. So I worry that if Mike Gravel did that with the plan of being 100 dedicated to the offense, whether he's going to be able to be effective as a CEO of the football team this year or vice versa, I don't know. I worry about that. Um, yeah. Like you said. God man just we we're trying to put money into football and you do it with Tony Tokars like you said that's just I don't know it just it just makes me wonder like it just makes me wonder if Mike Norvell understands that this isn't Memphis like you could go out and pull somebody from another I, power yeah. 5 program you well, can I, do that I, we're we're Florida State man like well, I agree I sucked, agree we've sucked for a half decade now but we still have cachet. Like you can go hire somebody from—I I was going to say Tennessee. Jesus Christ, that would have been a, the USC or like somebody who's also trying to be good at football. We're
0: like, just someone from Virginia, by the way, who just right. had. I'm not saying I don't know anything about this coach, so I don't want to be getting ahead of myself. But Virginia just had like the nation's third leading passer in the country. His coach may have had something to do with that. I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. But those kind of programs, lower level, P5. Baylor. Like again, I'm I don't know the carousel of QB coaches, but that's not my job to know. Folks, right. what's unique about this podcast is you may or may not know this. If you're a longtime listener, I apologize. Dave and Drake are lawyers. Dave has been a very successful attorney for almost a decade now. Drake's been in the field for a couple of years, has his feet under him. I'm a business consultant. I do mergers and acquisitions. And I don't say we don't say that to say, oh, look how smart we are. I say that because while we've never run a football team, we know a thing or two about businesses. In businesses and people, it's all the same when you boil it down, it really is. And I have seen too many times CEOs that, when times get tough, they choose loyalty and insulation and continuity over bold, dynamic change. When bold, dynamic change is what the business needed in that moment, and unfortunately. I've said this before, and I will say it again until I am proved wrong, which I hope I am. I genuinely hope I watch this podcast and think, "Wow, Max, you're an an idiot." idiot." Yeah, (laughs) but you had offensive coordinator, linebackers coach, which became co-DC, and quarterbacks coach, all open up, and you're telling me not one of those, not one of those, had a better alternative candidate outside of the program that to the point where all three had to be internal promotions. I think Alex Atkins is great. He's not the one I'm talking about here. I do worry about the delegation aspect, Dave, because you're absolutely right. Managing and doing are two very different skills. It's why everyone thinks their boss doesn't do anything because managing is its own skill and being the offensive line coach versus being the offensive line coach with coordinator responsibilities. Is a different skill. I think he's up to the task. So again, he's not who I'm talking about here, but you cannot convince me that out of those three big openings, there was not a single, well, and your linebackers coach too. So really four openings, right? That are we counting Cody? Doesn't matter. Y'all get the point yeah, of this whatever. rant. But however, we want to do the slashes. All right. We'll give Fabio his slashy award. But you cannot convince me that there was not one better candidate out there. So I see Mike Norvell's pattern of insulating himself with people that he believes are going to provide loyalty and continuity in response to change and in response to turbulent circumstances. And that folks read a history book, a a biography or a business book has pretty much never worked in any industry. And I don't see why it would work in coaching.
1: Yeah. I'll say this, this may be a hot take. I don't know. I don't care. You know what this coaching staff feels like to me, you know, like sometimes in anything, like you're a, you're a pitcher and you're just not throwing strikes. You're in a slump, and you just got to throw one to get, you know, get the ball in the strike zone. It's not a good pitch. It could get hit out of the park. It could be, you know, like this staff just feels like we're just doing this to try to get out of the Willie Taggart slump, knowing that this isn't going to be the staff that really does it for us. Like we're just, We just throw a pitch just to get it in the strike zone with this staff. Maybe I I hope I'm wrong about
0: that too. So I'm not going to throw Norvell in that category. You know what it feels like? It feels like Mike Norvell is taking an iron off the tee because he's put two drivers OB. And right now he's looking down a 530 yard par five and can't afford to only hit his five iron 200 yards off the tee. If he wants to make par, that's what it feels like. Where it's like, Hey, yeah. putting the driver OB you're right. That will, that will make you bogey this hole. But so is taking a five iron off the tee. Just swing the driver because that, even though it's riskier, is probably your best chance right now on this. In this analogy of making par, actually we're wearing a master shirt, so it works out perfectly. But Dave, All right? I think that we have made ourselves very clear. I appreciate you rocking and rolling with me tonight. I love your power rankings takes. I like that we kept it to three because, folks, if you disagree, which I'm sure you've already typed it up to hit will. send, but leave it in the comments and I let's know with what my own. You- uh, yeah, let us know what you think about the coaching staff. And hey, Mike, I know you're going to say Mike's got us. We appreciate you being here every day. I hope you are right. I'm not saying he doesn't. I hope so. I'm just saying the pattern is, it's making me a little nervous. So Dave, again, thanks for rocking and rolling. That was David Weiss, Esquire. I'm Max, and this was Locked on Seminoles.
1: Am I